Hello, you're very welcome to season three, I suppose it is, of the Two Hands in a Hurl podcast, uh, bringing it back. Myself, Robbie Mansfield, and uh, probably the most famous TJ in all of Kilkenny, Mr. TJ Mills. How's it going? <laughs> I don't think I could ever polish other TJ's boots, but I appreciate it. Thanks a million. I think the, the podcast is a bit like Enoch Burke, never goes away. <laughs> never goes away, yeah. Yeah, cool. So uh, we kind of decided to bring it back and we actually have um, a bit of maybe controversy to talk about with the Kilmacud game, which we'll get to in a bit. But um, I suppose firstly, we have to maybe do a bit of homage to Ballyhale and winning another All-Ireland and, you know, maybe putting them up as the greatest club team of all time. I don't know if you can think of any other ones that are as good, maybe Portumna and maybe St. Bridges in the football. But um. Would you think they're the greatest um, hurling club team of all time? Oh, without doubt, without doubt. When you be growing up with a rival parish, um, yeah, rivalry would be fierce. But I mean, you just have to sit back and respect them. And then, especially being in school with a lot of the players, friends with them as well, to see what they're achieving is absolutely immense. I mean, they're within a puck of a ball of you could say doing four in a row, but doing three out of four is unbelievable um, and yeah no they'll definitely go down as the greatest of all time I mean if you look at it Joey Hold and TJ Reid um, have more All-Ireland titles than some other clubs around the country um, and the only team that has more titles than them is actually Ballyhale so um, yeah they're just immense and great credit to Dunlai because that was a real battle last Sunday. It was um, Ballyhill were red hot favourites, but I knew Dunlai would be serious and great credit to him. They showed what Antrim Hurland's all about. Yeah, I think in the, the club game, it's almost a bit of a, a leveller in, in ways that you know, maybe if Kilkenny against Antrim, you'd say Kilkenny would win every time. But in a club format, there's you know there's always a chance that um the club teams you know will uh do well um and yeah speaking of the the All Ireland finals, you had Croaks who um who were celebrating their win, but they had too many people on the pitch. Um, I don't know what the latest is. You know, if it's it's definitely going to be a replay. I think it's more than likely looking like it is going to be because um the Glen have launched an appeal against um against the, the conclusion of the game and with only losing by two points you definitely seem to have a case what do you think yourself? Oh yeah definitely I mean at the moment um, this has been recorded Wednesday evening but um, there are three options to the GA either fine Kilmaco Croaks uh, award a replay or um, suspend Croaks from the competition so in other words it would be a walkover and um. Oh, the northern teams after escaping me, Glenn, um, yeah. will be awarded the title. Um, listening to former GA president president today on a radio station, Nicky Brennan, I think he made a real valid point. Um, if that was a junior game down the country, the GA in that safe take for example Cork or Kenny Leash. So rural club a junior game and that happened what would the GA and 
that area do going by the rules they'd have to either do one of those three options i mean fine suspend or um award a replay Um, i know i sit on a disciplinary committee myself for camogie and if that came in you'd have to go by the rule books and if the decision wasn't right or in favour of people, it can be appealed. So I, I don't see how the GA can do anything other than go by the rules. Um, it's unfair to Croke. Being honest, I know they're the, the guilty party here, but you wonder who was doing the supervision. Um, yeah, just from... come down to the officials and, you know, in a stadium like that with, you know, TV cameras and everything that, you know, it's... Like as you as you mentioned, like you know, it could maybe happen in a junior game, but in like a senior All Ireland final, um, it's a bit ridiculous that it, it actually happens. You know, like there there wasn't the checks and balances in place to say right, just fifteen each side and let's play. You know. Oh, definitely, and I from everything I heard. Now I didn't see the game myself. I watched the Ballyhill game and then I had to head off, but hearing and reading about it after the referee and the officials' attention were drawn to it before the 45 was kicked. Now, that's that's what's out there. But, I mean, if that was the case, why were they not anything done? Does the GA have to go down the soccer route where a player can't come on until the player that's been substituted reaches the touchline? Um. I mean, it's all great. I mean, we're chanting last year in the podcast and even the first season about rules that were coming in. And I mean, if GA hierarchy are putting rules in place, they have to govern them themselves. But more importantly, they have to have the structures in place that the rules can be enforced. And um, if it's a situation like we're saying the soccer or if they have to introduce some sort of bar system that these in- incidents can be brought to the attention of the referee because if it is spotted on television I mean the officials on the pitch have to be notified of it and um, it's embarrassing for the officials as well. They don't quite do a bad job, but I mean, if they're not the proper structures in place, it's not helping the officials either. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, well, hopefully, well, I think myself, I'd like to see, I think a re- replay is the fairest option. I think giving a walkover is unfair on Kilmacud and, you know, finding them doesn't really help, you know, doesn't really help the Glen at all to get like a, a fair shake at it now. I would say more than likely Kilmacud would would win the replay, but um, you know, you never know. Um, yeah. So as well during the week or last week, the RT announced the revamped, sort of added some uh new pundits and analysts and stuff on um onto the Sunday game and that. Um, and of course Pat's plan. Uh, he did his last game uh last year, so you know he's like. Honestly, he's been doing the Sunday game and all that since as long as I can remember. So it's an iconic person who's gone off it now. But they've added some some new young blood. They got Lee Keegan, Paul Flynn, and I think with uh Sky dropping the GA as well, Peter Canavan has come over to RT as well. So there's some uh some high profile former players. But it begs the the question, who would be one of your favorite um 
you know, analysts at halftime, who would you like to kind of hear that, you know, talks really well about the game or really puts, uh, you know, where the winning and losing of the game is? Uh, I used to really enjoy two hurling analysts, Ger Lachman and Cyril Farrell, um, and Tomas Mulcahy as well. Now, that's gone back the years a bit as well, but I used to really enjoy those. Um, then, say, looking at football aspect, um, Pat Spillan, I mean, he was a legend. <laughs> I was lucky to play under him uh, for a charity match in Croke Park. Oh, it's a good few years ago now, right? 2017 or that and um, the stories he was telling and I mean I really enjoyed the analysis he used to do as well might be a controversial one as well but I li- love the um, Joe Brawley on it he never pulled any punches and I think that's the reason why he's no longer there because he called things out when they needed to be called out as well and um you can see some of the posts he put on Twitter as well really um, breaks down where decisions need to be made. Not going back to the Crokes incident, but he was on about that during the week, and I think some of the points he made was very valid. Um, yeah, they be they be the ones that and yourself, Robbie. Uh, yeah, kind of Joe Brawley, definitely, he's always fun, you know, even if it's jury match, he'll kind of say something controversial, or he'll try and get, a, he used to have great banter with uh, Pat Splann, and they used to kind of go back and forth about the, you know, the puke football of Tyrone and all this sort of stuff, and, you know, very art- articulate man, Joe Brawley, and I think he would be, you know, box office to, to get back in there, he'd almost be like, in a way, like a Roy Keane figure who, you know, You'd nearly be talking as much about what Roy Keane said at halftime of a soccer match as the actual game itself. I think Joe Brawley was very much like that. Um, I I like I just have to say during the game during the game of hurling, I like Michael Dyn- Michael Dignan when he's on co commentary. Yeah. I think yeah. he's very good, and you know sometimes the co commentary like they can just kind of say you know just repeat what's said or they don't really add a whole lot to it. But I think that. He does really add, you know, with his analysis and, you know, I think he's good. And I like um, the Cork goalkeeper, former Cork goalkeeper. I forget his name now, just to keep uh, this case. Don Logue, Log, yeah. I think Don Logue, he really revamped, you know, the level of analysis that went into, like, you know, puck outs and all this sort of stuff. And I think he's really brought on the Orsi analysis a lot, which is uh, which is really good. Um. Well, yeah, as you were saying, Cyril Farrell was always like one of my favorite. And me and my dad used to joke that he, he, he used to always say, you know, someone got the ball and then bang over the bar or bang back of that. And it was just like it was it was hilarious or comedic in a way, but it was um very, very Irish thing. So I really like Cyril Farrell and, um, you know, Jerry Lachnan obviously was a great bit of banter as well. But um, yeah, on the football side of things, I think they kind of. They had the same lads for a long time and they got quite stale. You know, Colm O'Rourke, I think, you know, <laughs> I don't think he adds really a whole lot, um, to be honest with you. And, you know, who else was there? I think Kieran Whelan was always pretty good. I think he was fairly objective, yeah. even as a, an ex-Dublin player. And I found with Pat Bland that I used to think he was quite unsufferable. especially in the in the Nazis decade when Kerry won four All-Irelands. 
But then in the twenty tens when Dublin won um whatever it was a seven or eight All Ireland that that kind of maybe humbled him a bit and he made, he became a lot more bearable to listen to. I thought that that really kind of um not put manners on him, but kind of he was very arrogant about Kerry and all this sort of stuff. But then having to pay homage to Dublin kind of almost made him more humble and maybe more likable in, in my eyes. So, um, yeah. So, yeah. So we'll see, see how they get on in the new season. And it'd be interesting to see, uh, you know, Lee Keegan, Paul Flynn and uh, Peter Canavan's always good on Matt Cooper. He does be on Matt Cooper on a Friday talking about the GA as well. So, yeah, you, Rash, shout, sorry, um, um, a shout out, Robbie, to the female um, analysts as well, Ursula Jake, Elaine Elward, and Noel Healy, and Coruscant, and I think they're brilliant, and I'm not just saying that, I really do think they're brilliant, and the knowledge and analysis, it's a pity they're not more, uh, but I really think they bring uh, a really great insight and knowledge to it as well. Uh, sorry for putting in there, Rob. No, you're grand. They definitely, uh, they definitely hold their hold their place well, uh, on the panel, and they're very insightful as well when they're in there as well. Um, yeah, I was just saying that you went to the Kilkenny Wexford game the weekend in Wexford Park, and it was a, uh, you know, mad queue to get in, and I was just maybe looking at the contrast between, you know the love for the preseason hurling that like there's like you know cues to get into the stadium for this match and can contrast that with the likes of Offaly who dropped out of the O'Byrne Cup in the football because the the midweek games weren't really suiting the schedule for the guys and maybe you could see their point a bit but um you know the in the end they dropped out of competition when they had a good chance to actually go and win a bit of silverware um so do you think that maybe the the preseason hurling competitions are more valued than the the football ones or what way do you see it or is, was it just like a local rivalry Kilkenny Wexford people were just mad to to see a bit of competitive hurling um yeah it's a bit of both I think it could be more about the the launching of the floodlights in Wexford Park um now I was working in Wexford up to Christmas and I was being informed uh, by a friend down there, a colleague from Wexford, that it was coming close to a sellout. So it was nearly sold out since before Christmas. Now, to be fair to Wexford GA, it was a brilliant night. I mean, it's not often you see teams warming up to ACDC, but uh, uh, yeah. it was really an interesting experience. Um, I mean, the cues to get in was unbelievable like i heard people were queuing from half three in the day even three o'clock roads were being closed from about half twelve one o'clock i heard um and it was a great experience except for the queue um i think yeah the... i think it's something ga could do more of more night games maybe championship night games maybe or midweek games or do you think that's something that could be trialed more oh definitely i i I'd be really in favour of Saturday night games. I mean, especially, well, it could boost tourism as well. I mean, if you have, now, wouldn't be much in January, everyone's broke after Christmas, but if you had a Saturday night game, a local rivalry, say, between Kilkenny and Wexford, um, the Welsh Cup final between uh, Galway and Wexford, which was meant to be this Sunday, um, is going to, 
take place in the league match between Galway and Wexford and I heard hotels are booked out um for that weekend. I think that's the sixth the sixth if Yes, next weekend. Next weekend, yeah. The fifth, I think, is Saturday the fifth or something. Or Saturday the fourth, sorry, I get the dates right, yeah. But uh I heard hotels are booked out for that and I mean you'd have the reverse, um, Wexford travelling to Galway, Kilkenny travelling to Galway if it was a Saturday night game. I mean, it is hard of a Sunday to travel a long distance for a game, say at half two, you'd be hopping in the car, maybe have to do two, three hour drive. Um, mm. And th- that would be a big factor as well. But uh, yes, yeah, Saturday night games under lights. And then when the summer months come in anyway, you'd, you'd have you'd have people willing to travel anyway um, for, say, Saturday evening games, not even under floodlights. But, um, I mean, it just shows how how popular they are in soccer. And um, going back to what you were saying, I think everyone will say the game on Saturday, not taking anything away from the Wexford result, but Kilkenny had a lot of young players out there. Wexford were a bit more experienced. And, I mean, it was a puck for ball in it and then, so as a Kilkenny supporter, you'd be happy that way. But I think the games are an awful lot more even in the... becoming more even in the hurling. And that could be a situation the likes of the... um the Joe McDonough Cup and that. I mean... Leash played Kilkenny the week before. I know there were 13 points in it, but still they scored 220 against Kilkenny. It was the young Kilkenny side again. But then you had Offley only being beaten by Wexford with a late, late Wexford surge as well. I think there were about three or four points in it. And you had Offley running Kilkenny close in the very first match. Now you can say we can sides and all of that, but I mean, that draws the crowd. I heard there was a fierce crowd at the Leash Kilkenny match. I wasn't able to get to it, but um, that's one factor. Now, if you look at some of the results, reverse results in the football, there are some really one-sided games. Um, even though Burn Cup final, Longford easily defeated Laos. So, it could be a situation where that's coming into pre-season, but Yet, you don't know how strong sides are either, so it's hard yeah. to judge. But Hurling's definitely getting supporters at the moment, yeah. Definitely, Hurling seems to be definitely the more exciting of the two. And I think they're gonna have to do something with football over the next you know five ten years to really get it more watchable because at times it can be uh kind of dour enough um especially in the in the winter with the the heavy ball and you know the heavy ground and all this stuff um yeah cool so what we'll do now is we'll leave the ga there and we'll go on to some picks of the week so well could be picks of the last year really uh to be honest with you so is there any sort of shows written or anything you're currently watching or listening to that's uh you'd recommend uh, I'm watching very little at the moment, other than say mainstream television. Um, but I'm listening to a lot of audiobooks when I'd be out uh, running in the morning, and I'm actually two I'm after downloading that I have yet to listen to, and one 
Uh, I say because I got it for free. I'm listening to it, but it's interesting. And it's Prince Harry's book, Spare. Um, oh, yeah? Yeah, it's it's interesting. <laughs> I put it that way. You were a big fan of The Crown as well, weren't you? I was, I was. Now I'm not far from a royalist, I tell you that. Oh, yeah, I but wasn't it, accusing you, you know, of answering. Yeah, oh, no, 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 just no. I, um, but, you know, it's just something interesting about it. I mean, with the crown, you know, an awful lot of it was dramatised, but it's kind of interesting to learn, well, even if 55% of it was true, it was interesting, but fair, it's just a complete bitch <laughs> I mean, it's um some it, it goes such petty things like it's um what he had to ask his grandmother to get engaged to propose and all of this. I won't spoil it if anyone didn't read it or listen to it, but uh yeah, I know it's it's interesting. I won't say I'd go out and buy it if I didn't get it for nothing. Uh but yes. uh yeah. It's interesting. The other one, actually, uh, two, one I heard about the weekend and be interesting to listen to. But the other is, um, do you ever remember Pure Mule that was on RTE back? It was on 2005. I remember but, you uh, talking about it, all right, yeah. Yeah, I know. It's uh, There's a book after coming out called Going Back. It's from the writer of Pure Mule. And... Uh, about Scobie when he comes back from Australia so yeah it'd be interesting and the other is actually a hypnotist and um, if you heard of him Paul McKenna he's after oh, yeah. bringing out a book called Freedom from Anxiety where he um, claims that he can banish anxiety and worry from people um, with mm. um hypnosis and tricks that you can learn now he i heard him on the radio um last saturday and he done one quick trick uh i won't say trick but one quick um thing and would you believe it actually kind of worked and so it may not work for everyone but it'd be interesting yeah yeah definitely i i he does like was it quit smoking and kind of you know change your change your life sort of books and that sort of stuff health self-help books as well doesn't he yeah i would believe he started off as a radio presenter uh, that went to interview a hypnotist and asked for a book and became a multi-millionaire <laughs> so yeah <laughs> never too late for anyone <laughs> Yeah, well, definitely. Uh, uh, that's something that people can use in January and, you know, cure anxiety is another thing as well. So that would be uh, worth checking out. So, yeah, for myself, um, I kind of like last year I was listening to like an album a day. So I'm kind of almost a little burnt out with music. So <laughs> uh, but a new band I kind of just recently just came across there, like a Danish rock band and they're called Volbeat and they've got some very very good song so I'm kind of just listening to them kind of when I'm putting on music but at the moment I'm trying to maybe listen to I'm kind of watching some YouTube videos podcasts and, and stuff like that and the last year I was watching House of the Dragon and I got very into this YouTube guy called In Deep Geek 
uh, and he just does like breakdowns of a lot of you know Game of Thrones and Lord of the Rings stuff and little information that you you wouldn't really know. So I kind of listen to that maybe if I'm at home doing a few bits or that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, and I'm also watching the NFL playoffs, and unfortunately, uh, my beloved Cowboys lost at the weekend. So it's down to the the final four coming up uh, this weekend. So it'll be like the the semifinals to you and me, but it's the the conference uh, championship. So you have the Eagles are playing the 49ers. I think that's in the middle of the night. And then I, oh no, I think that might be the early game. I'm not sure. And then you have the Bengals against the Chiefs. So two really, four really great teams. And you're going to have uh, a really great Super Bowl from that. Um, another thing I just heard there yesterday was that one of my favorite artists of all time, Chris Stapleton, he's going to be singing the national anthem at the Super Bowl. So that'll be worth uh, oh, checking out checking out to see how he does there. But I think Rihanna's doing the halftime show, which I'm not really too bothered about. But um, yeah, <laughs> happy day. So what we'll do, we'll go on from the picks of the week and we'll go on, we'll talk a little bit about the Premier League. Now, since the last time we were chatting on here, your uh, Liverpool have <laughs> been going in the wrong direction. Uh, so we won't kind of labor too much on them. Um, just between injuries and a few different other, you know, missing chances and stuff like that, they've kind of drifted down the table. Um, but the surprise package, Arsenal, uh, they're top of the league. They came through a really tough run of fixtures after after the World Cup. Beat United at the weekend, and I think that that game at the weekend was one that they would have lost, um, or definitely drew maybe a couple of years ago. And does it show you the advantage of um, hanging on to your manager, hanging on to Arteta? And because like last year they were down near relegation almost, and he was you know looking like he was going to get sacked, and now he's he's turned it around and top of the league, and they look like they're going to go the distance. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, they're really impressive, and they're doing it in style as well. I mean, if there's anything to show from it is if you have a good manager and place give him time I mean when you think they didn't qualify for the Champions League like you said I mean and now usually you say whoever's top of the Premier League at Christmas goes on to win it and they don't seem to be weighing away at all Um, Man City biggest threat there I mean always have been in recent years and will be in time to come but it just I mean, they're a satisfaction, I won't lie, other than Liverpool. I mean, to see a team like Arsenal going so well, I mean, um, no disrespect to City, but I mean, with the resources they have there, um, they, I mean, they're even a thing with fair play now that they're putting transfers out over eight years. So, I mean... I'm not saying Man City are the only ones doing it or doing it, but um, I mean, it just shows the way rules can be wiggled around. So that's where you have to be impressed and great credit to Arsenal because if you look at all those funny videos that were going around, it was the fans calling for managers' heads and players' heads and uh, owners' heads and everything. And I mean, another team... As much as I hate saying it, that are after being on a good run after halting a bit is um Manchester United, um 
So it just shows by having a manager in place, doing the right transfers. And the worrying thing, say, from a Liverpool perspective, which Liverpool didn't do, is Arsenal are still bringing in transfers. And um, that's what you have to do when you're on top or close to the top and not bring this back to Liverpool, but that's Liverpool's downfall at the moment when they were on top and they were competing for titles. They weren't um, investing in you, or they weren't investing in younger players. Arsenal are doing that, and that's why they are at the moment, along with Arteta being a brilliant manager. Yeah, um, yeah, he's brought you a good few guys from the, the youth system as well, and you know got some good transfers like uh, Jesus, uh, Jesus coming in as well. Um, I know he's been injured, but. I think him and Sinchenko, they've you know had won the Premier League, so maybe added a bit of uh, a bit of belief um, to that squad as well. They could they could go and win it, and uh, yeah, the, the fancy football. I think you know you have to have Haaland in your team definitely. Um, yeah, <laughs> I don't know if you've seen in in the little league that we're in, uh, TJ. That I'm bottom. I've been bottom all season, but I'm very close to getting off the bottom. So <laughs> there's only eight teams in the league, but. Um, I'd be watching the team, the team you pick and who you who you've got in there and stuff. But uh, I think you're you're kind of mid table, mid table uh, club in the fantasy football in the the little league we have. Um, but definitely, I'm I'm trying I'm trying to get up to the the dizzy heights of uh of mid table. That'd be good for me because I've been on the bottom all season. I think I started off bad, didn't have Haaland in my team initially, and I'm kind of kind of catching up ever since. But um, are you kind of enjoying the fantasy football I think it kind of it does give you like keeps you interested in, in kind of maybe games that you wouldn't be really bothered about if you know what I mean yeah no would you believe I kind of waned away from it there for a bit and that's not an excuse for being mid or whatever um, reason why is I do too many transfers when I don't have free transfers yeah um, yeah but uh, yeah, I know it really makes it interesting, and um, oh no, it's it's a real gamble as well in a sense because a player could go well one week, you transfer him in, and then he might only get one or two points, or even worse, sent off or not even play. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it's it, it really brings engages people into it as well. Um. And you, when you see some of the scores some lads have, you think here they must be doing nothing only, uh, reading reading the farm book and everything. But really makes it interesting. Really does. Yeah, I know there's a fancy Premier League uh, Instagram. I I follow. I started following that, so you get some good information of, of like maybe if a team is on like a double week or something like that. So. Yeah, there's. I'm sure you can go even more in depth into it. I'm sure the people who are like you know. The top guy in Ireland is like putting in a huge effort every week to kind of stay there. Um, yeah, cool, good stuff. So what I'll do just for the Six Nations, obviously that's starting, uh, not this weekend but the next weekend. So we'll maybe go into the rugby a bit more in depth next week. Um, so just for now, I'm gonna get your your quick pick. Cool. So I'm just gonna get your your quick picks for the Six Nations, TJ. Uh, I'm not sure where this is gonna come in because we got bounced from the last meeting. Uh, we we were chatting. Too much, too much, right? We were chatting, so we went on for too long. But um, yeah, just your quick picks. Um, 
who do you think is going to win the Six Nations this year? Um, well, on form, you'd have to say Ireland. Um, and will Ireland win the Grand Slam? On form, you would have to be thinking that they'd have to be favourites. Whether that'd be a good thing heading into the World Cup is another question. Uh, but yeah. I think things are different this year. I really do. Um, England have, I mean, just England are just injury struck. Wales had a brutal uh, winter series. Scotland or Scotland. Um, and that's no disrespect. Scotland can beat any team on any given day. Or if they're bad, they're really bad. Um, yeah. So you think it's going to be Ireland, maybe France then? And then obviously yeah. Italy probably going to be bottom, we would imagine. Uh, so who's going to be who's going to be just above Italy? It's Out of England, Scotland, Wales. Scotland and England, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah um, very good. Sorry? Do you know the way the England-Scotland is the Calcutta Cup? That's what they call it. So that yeah. game could be very good. It could, yeah. And I mean, in recent seasons, Scotland have been really strong in it. Um, if I'm not mistaken, did they win it last year? Or I think they won it maybe before? last two years, to be honest. Yeah. And, um, or I maybe mean, not England last year, but the year man- before, I think. Yeah, England with new management as well. Um, but, yeah, it'd be a shootout between France and Ireland now the, for the Grand Slam. Um, Ireland having France in the Viva Stadium, that would be a big help. I mean, they they were well beaten on everything bar the scoreboard last year by France. Um, yeah. But this is a different team. And I mean... I have to eat humble pie here and I'm gladly doing it. I would have been the ones questioning Andy Farrell at the very start with Ireland. Some of the performances were really poor. But when you see what he was trying to achieve, now, no disrespect to Joe Schmidt, absolutely none. He done phenomenal work with Ireland. But we were very reserved under Joe Schmidt at the end stages so it could be a situation that Andy Farrell was trying to put to do what he'd done going over to New Zealand and win the series for the very first time and um, like he's not scared of making tough decisions either Joey Carberry not being picked um, so it shows where his head is at um heading into the World Cup year but um, it's between France and Ireland and Wales are a real Six Nations team in a sense they can put in great performances but they can have really dire performances as well so that's why I feel an injury hit English team could struggle at the early stages so it could be between them and Scotland finishing above Italy and don't be one bit surprised if Italy pull off a slight shock as well. I know their recent form has been really poor, but um, they they can make it tough on teams. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Sure, we'll see how it, will, it pans out. We'll chat a bit more about it uh, maybe next week as well. 
So I'm gonna give you gonna give you a high ball uh topic there, TJ. So you ready? Yeah. Oh, the high ball. The high ball. Woo! Would you believe I forgot that? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So this one is inspired by the you know the TV series uh Dharma. I don't know if you watched that. Uh, I never heard of it. <laughs> you know Jeffrey Dahmer, the guy who used to eat people. Uh, no. No. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Was in the eighties or early nineties, and he was a serial killer, and he used to kill people, and then he used to eat them afterwards. So he's kind of, you know, not a very nice guy to be honest with you. Um, but the whole documentary series, or there's a whole like Netflix series about him. Dharma is called. It's brilliant. Well worth watching if you're if you um have the stomach for it. It's pretty good. So basically, in the series, there's a lady. She lives next door to him, and she decides that she's going to stay living there even after you know he's gone. Even though he murdered loads of people in the apartment next to her. Um. So I'm just kind of ask you, TJ, would you live? Uh, either in a building, in a, in a house where people had been murdered or in like, you know, like that sort of situation in an apartment complex where there was a serial killer had been killing people. Would that something be something that would bother you, make you think twice about, you know, renting a place or buying a place? Uh, well, with the house in crisis at the moment, beggars might be able to be chosen. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, yeah. But... Uh, jeez, that is a real tough one. To start off fair play. Um, I did mention on the podcast a couple of times. I did experience some weird things, and yeah. it didn't. First time, kind of unexplained, would be kind of scared. You'd be wondering, um, but now I'm kind of intrigued, um. Would you want to stay in a place? I, I think it'd be bad karma. I won't lie. I, I don't mean karma in the sense things coming back to bite you. I mean, it'd be... Um, you'd just be uncomfortable. It, it wouldn't be scared of what would be there or whatever. You'd be, you'd be scared. Of, you just wouldn't be comfortable with what you knew went on. Um I was in a job before Christmas, not going off topic, and I won't mention the job I was in, but I was in... For legal, for legal reasons. Our legal team will be helpful if you're not mentioning. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, I was encountering really dire situations, and you're, you didn't look at things the same after if that makes sense. You just didn't know what was going on and you're looking at things completely differently. And from that experience and kind of thinking what could have went on, I don't think I could. And it wouldn't be, say, you'd be scared to be haunted or whatever. No, you deal with that. I mean, I wouldn't... I used to be when I was younger, not anymore. I, I, but I think it'd be what went on there. I just want to be comfortable thinking of the poor people that would have been. Nah, I just couldn't. And yourself? 
Yeah, I know it probably would give me the the heebie-jeebies, you know, just uh, just the thoughts of you know what had happened and stuff like that. You know, I think in general I'm quite good at maybe car like you know like kind of putting distance between myself and an event that maybe happens in general. I think I'm pretty I'm pretty good at that, you know. Or if something bad happened, I'd be able to get up and kind of continue on without it kind of getting me down too much if you know what I mean so I think I would be able to a bit but I think maybe that's just a bit you know I'm just kind of give you a bit of a weird a weird sort of you know feeling I suppose you know but um as you're saying with the current housing crisis you know <laughs> it would uh I suppose any any sort of um any sort of housing option could be if the rent was good you know you you'd definitely uh definitely consider it uh, cool, TJ. So I think we'll, we'll leave it there. So uh, we'll take the box on the first episode on season three. So happy days. As always, good chatting to you. Yeah, I know. An absolute pleasure, Robbie. And yeah, I know it's great to be back. And like Enoch Burke, we be back again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was actually, I, I've only been like kind of viewing that whole situation through social media, Um, I, 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 through memes even. Um. And I had to, I had to, I had to Google it. I had to Google who the hell this guy was. And uh, now, now I understand all, all, all the memes. Yeah. So anyway. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, for um, for podcast reasons, I won't go into what I think. But uh, yeah. Okay. So, for more legal uh, reasons, we'll just say it. We'll say exactly, exactly. <laughs> Happy days, man. Uh, pleasure, Robbie, and uh, right. chat to you all next week. All right, good luck, good luck, good luck, and thanks good to luck, thanks luck. to everyone for listening. If we're you know, after us taking a little break and taking your time out to listen to us, thank you very much. Thank you all. Chat soon. All right, good luck, good luck, good luck, good luck, good luck. Good luck. Good luck. Bye, 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 bye.